Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Evening. It is another episode of the Mahogany Miles podcast. I'm Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, maternal mental health expert, parenting coach, and author. I am so excited today because we have both a expert and a mom. So you're in for a treat today. We have, I'm going to call her Cassandra, but she's Dr. Cassandra Dunbar. She is a wife. She is a mom. She is a doctor. She's an educator and she's also a podcaster. So welcome to Mahidi Moms Podcast, Cassandra to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for, for joining and coming on. So tell us more about who you are. Honestly, I think you pretty much said it all. I mean, I'm a mom. I mean, that takes up the majority of my time, especially being in the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I'm working from home with the kitties with me. And yeah, it's been a lot, but I'm managing. I'm surviving barely. Yes. Yes. I'm a doctor, but I work. I'm not a clinical physician right now. I am working as a professor at an HBCU down here in Charlotte. Yay, it's an Uh, HBCU. Yes, yes. (laughs) What else? Yes, I'm a podcaster. I have a podcast called Be Well Sis. It is a podcast where I speak to different, amazing, beautiful, insightful Black women on different facets of how we can level up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I, yeah. I mean, we all wear a bunch of hats, right? We do. (laughs) That's what we do. So I am so glad that you are here. Got lots of questions for you. So let's just jump in. So tell me about what led you to medicine? Oh, I haven't had this question in a minute. Oh, this is a good one. (laughs) Medicine. So I had an aunt who we were a date, well, a date and 30 some years apart. Her birthday was the day before mine. And we were very, very similar. And as I got older, we became very close. And she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And it got progressively worse as I was in high school and then in college. Mm. And she couldn't work anymore. And I was driving at the time and I became her cancer, her chemo buddy. So Mm. I'd go with her and sit with her during her chemo sessions and just seeing the how much compassion her oncologist had. And mm. we became a really, we became tight because we were there with them, seeing them at one point, like pretty often. Mm. And that just left a mark on me. I honestly didn't want to go to college. I wow. wanted to be a hairstylist. Mama was like, you got to go to college. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if I have to go, what do I like? And the only thing that I actually liked were the sciences. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go, I'll major in biology, maybe I'll do pre-med and it worked out. And then when I graduated, I still was on the fence as to what I wanted to do with Mm -hmm. myself. And I was trying to figure things out. And at this time, when I graduated college, it was the 2008, 2006, excuse me, but 2007, just things about fell apart. We're starting to fall apart economically. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, well, let me study for the MCAT and see what happens. And I went to medical school. (laughs) So it's all started off with my auntie who was, was ill. Wow. So 
that that in and of itself is amazing because you didn't even want to go to college. And so you did four years of undergrad and then you did an additional four years of medical school, not to mention if you did additional schooling past that. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm a, a lifelong learner. I I like to learn in a way. And I think one of the shows that I watched as I was growing up was Girlfriends. And I felt like Lynn was one of the characters who was, the joke was that she was always in school, that she had like 30 degrees. And I was like thinking back, I'm ready to like be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like if I don't really want to go to school, maybe I'll find something that I like and just keep going to school. That actually ended, you know, but yeah, I just think I, I'm a lifelong learner. So yeah. Wow, that is so interesting. Okay, so let's talk about how you being a doctor and the experiences that you've talked about so far, how did that come into play with motherhood? Oh, you know, what I realized when I was pregnant with my first is that there are medicine and wellness are worlds apart. You know, what it means mm. to actually be well, mm-hmm. well, there's two different things. Wow. So, And something about being pregnant for me just made me really aware of everything, like what I'm putting in my body because my baby's eating what I eat, Mm -hmm. what I'm putting on my body because we absorb a lot of the chemicals that are we put on our bodies. So I became like, again, because I'm a learner, I was like just researching everything. I wanted to do things right, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think because I'm like a researcher being pregnant and having children has made me even more of a researcher. I just want to do the quote best practice for my kids, (laughs) which I mean, every child is different and Mm -hmm. what is best practice. Right. But I, I think that's where the worlds kind of collide in a way. Okay. So I think it's interesting that you said medicine and wellness are worlds apart because most people would think that they are connected. So that is interesting. So can you tell us more about how they're different? Oh, yes. So I'll say for Western medicine, one thing that I I say a lot now is while I appreciate Western medicine, I realize that it's a Band-Aid for a Mm -hmm. lot of whatever is ailing us. It just puts a patch here and it puts a patch there, but never really addresses the full human, like the actual vessel. You know, Mm -hmm. I believe that the root cause of most of our diseases are more than just physical stuff. You know, there's a lot of like mental, emotional things that are underlying that may cause actual disease. But when you go to like your physician, your traditional physician, they're going to give you a, a pill or an infusion and send you on your way, not addressing what the actual root of the problem is, especially in America, especially Mm -hmm. in our communities, if we even get a bandit at all, you know? Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) hard times. Yeah, so wellness for me is is addressing the entire human, the the full Mm -hmm. human, like everything. So mentally, emotionally, spiritually addressing all of it. Cause we're all one, one being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and medicine doesn't address the being it addresses the one problem and neglects everything else. That is so interesting, but it's very true. 
It is very true because I don't think that we oftentimes get to the root cause or people, doctors oftentimes get to the root cause of whatever is ailing you, hence why you continue to have issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's so interesting, though, that you come from a science background. You went to medical school and so you see it clearly. So um, how does that play out for you in terms of in your professional role? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I feel like I was very, when I was working in the field, I was very disheartened. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I worked in the administrative roles in the um, hospital. So when it came down to it in those meetings, we weren't talking about our patients as patients. We were mm-hmm. talking about dollars and cents. We wanted to be profitable. And in being profitable, you're not really treating people adequately. The place that I most recently worked at, it was the inner city hospital serving mostly um, black and brown populations who were way below the poverty level and the hospital was state funded, right? So we'd get into these meetings and people would be upset because, you know, our patients are quote non-compliant. And I'm like, they're not non-compliant. There are so many other issues as to why they're not taking medications. A $10 copay to you may not be anything, mm-hmm. but to people, it might be their very last $10 that they're probably using to feed their children, or they don't have transportation to come to the um, their next appointment, or you haven't explained to them adequately what their disease is and how severe it is. There's just so many other issues that come into mm-hmm. medicine and into health and wellness that just are neglected. And it's just, it became very disheartening for me. And I just felt like it didn't it didn't fit my spirit and didn't fit what the narrative that I told myself. Like when I applied to medical school, I had a really, I guess, romantic view of Mm -hmm. what doctors do. And that was so far from the truth and so far from life. And it was a hard pill to swallow, especially in dealing with my own people, you know, because the reason I always said, if I want to become a doctor and I went to work in the field, it would be with my own people. Cause I felt mm-hmm. like we're just, we're, we're here, but right. not as many. Right. Right. So yeah. <laughs> wow. That, you have said like a whole, a whole lot in a little, in like in a few sentences. So, so I want to kind of go, I want to kind of talk about what that was like for you because a lot of moms have difficulty transitioning. So maybe they, decided to go to school for, I don't, let's say business and they get into the business world and they realize this just is not reconciling with my spirit, but it's like, Ooh, I've spent all of this time. I've, you know, kind of gained experience. How do I make the shift? Um, and people aren't looking at me crazy. And then I'm not questioning myself every day. Like, what have I done? So what was that like for you to make that, that shift and say, you know what, this, doesn't resonate with my spirit. I need to do something different. Oh, that was a long, that was a long road. And honestly, sometimes I still am like, I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe Mm -hmm. I gave up or maybe I didn't explore um, different ways of doing things within that system. Mm -hmm. I'm still on that journey. Okay. But I, I will say that it's important to have a good support system. My husband is great. 
whatever he feel, whatever I feel is the best decision, he trusts that I'm making the best decision for us and for myself and everything. But I think it's really important to sit still with yourself and ask yourself, you know, what do you want out of life? What's important to you? What does success look like for you? And for you today, not for you five years ago or 10 years ago, because that's one thing that I struggled with because I had a very narrow view of what my life would look like. Mm -hmm. And when it didn't look like that, that was really uncomfortable and even painful at times, right? Yes. But I'm like, you know what? Am I basing what I deem as success off of other people's Mm -hmm. opinions and off of their values? Like, what are my values for me? Yes. (laughs) When I became a mom, one of the things that I knew for sure is that I wanted to spend time with my kids. Mm. And there are a lot of brilliant physicians and just amazing women who do it. They have children and they're working. Hats off to them. I am not one of those people who can be away for (laughs) so many, like damn near days at a time, you know? Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't do it. And I had to reconcile that it doesn't make me weaker or it doesn't make me less capable. This is my choice. I'm a little bit different. And it's okay. There are so many different ways to like be impactful for your community and to be quote unquote successful. You know, I have to figure out what that is for me. Successful is having a really good family life. That's first and then everything else. So you pointed out two things that I want to kind of um, go back over. You said choice, right? You said, this was the choice for me. This is the choice I decided for myself. And oftentimes moms, don't feel like they have that choice. So Mm. for whatever reason, maybe it's an internal struggle. Maybe there's always this pull between staying at home and going to work and feeling like it's okay with whatever decision is best for you. And so I Mm -hmm. think mom struggle with that. And the other thing was you said support, right? So I think that's huge. It's huge to have Uh, support and support can come, it can look very different for different people. So you can be Mm -hmm. a married mom and you can have um, support from your spouse. You can be a married mom and not have support from your spouse. Talk about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But you can have support from your parents or Mm -hmm. from your community. So um, support comes in a lot of different ways. I think a lot of times though, we don't ask for what we need. And so we suffer in silence. Um, But I wanted to talk about... So you have, you have two children. Mm-hmm. And so did things shift for you with the second one? I know that part of what you talk about is self-care. So mm-hmm. did that come into play with the first one or was it the second one? When did you realize that that was a big thing? Oh, girl, I done burnt out with my <laughs> second one. And that's when <laughs> I realized that self-care was so important. Um, so with my second is when I really... Like I said, I just burnt out Mm. and in going to see a therapist, she was just like, well, run me through your day. Mm -hmm. So I gave her a rundown of what I do throughout the day. And then she's like, okay, great. So what do you do for yourself? And I had Mm -hmm. no answer for her. And she's like, what I'm seeing is that you're not taking care of yourself. You have Mm. to take care of yourself in order for you to be a good mom and for you to be a good spouse and for you to be a good daughter and good employee or employer. You have to take care of yourself first Mm -hmm. at the bare minimum. And I I never did. My mother-in-law used to always tell me when when she was alive and, and seeing me and how I am with my first 
she was like, you know, Cass, you have to put on your oxygen mask on first. Mm. And I'm just like, okay. I heard the words, but Mm -hmm. it didn't click (laughs) until I had the second one. And the second one, I think, was so dramatic was because he had, we had a traumatic delivery having him. So um, the first year of his life, he, we were treating him as if he was special needs because we weren't sure if the things that happened during um, labor and delivery, if there'd be like any residual trauma, right? Okay. So in dealing with having to see tons of specialists and just pretty much holding my breath that he would not be okay and that he would not meet his milestones and Mm then this, that, and the other thing, I just completely neglected myself and just one day I just felt like, not even one day, it was like several weeks I was feeling like, you know, God, if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, it is completely fine. And I had Mm -hmm. never felt that way before because my kids are what always made me feel like I need to just be strong and go through whatever I'm going through for them. But I was like, you know what? I was starting to rationalize how they'll be fine without me. And I'm like, all right, this is not okay. Yes. So thank you for sharing that because it's another mom that is out there who's feeling the same way. Are you okay to share more about what that traumatic birth experience was like? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the pregnancy was completely normal, nothing really to talk about, but I was noticing some differences in my pregnancy with the first and with the second. And I get that they're two different people. So they're Mm -hmm. carrying them will be different, but I always kept on comparing, um, so towards my, in my third trimester, I realized that nothing was happening. I was at my 39th week appointment and I was completely closed. There was no dilation whatsoever. Mm. Whereas with my first, it was completely different from like the 34th week. I think I was progressively dilating and they were concerned that, you know, he would come before term. Sorry. Um, so Statistically speaking, what happens is the second child comes first quicker than the first child. And so with each progressive pregnancy, you are, it happens quicker. And with him, the second one, nothing was happening. So I'm feeling bad for myself. They told me to put me on the list for a C-section and they're like, you know, just in case, you know, whatever, whatever. So that was Thursday. Nothing happened. I called my doula. I'm like, I'm still zero, nothing's going on at all. She's like, okay, well, just let it take time. By Friday night, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I had contractions, but was like, well, maybe they're just Braxton Hicks. So I'm like, let me just hydrate and then go back to sleep. I could not go back to sleep because I kept on being woken up by these pains. So I'm like, you know what, let me time it. And I timed them, they were about five minutes apart. I go get my husband, I'm just like, listen, I think it's time. He's like, he sees me. He's like, yes, clearly time. (laughs) So um, he calls my doula to come from across town to come to our house to get ready for us to go to a birth center. Because this time around, I want to have the baby at a birth center and not the hospital. Mm. So mm -hmm. that's a whole story. That's a whole story. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So she comes over and I'm on all fours and I'm just like in outer space. I was in so much pain. I felt like at one point my my soul left my body just to give me some reprieve. Mm. So I'm on all fours. I had like my pajama pants on and I'm like, I got to my pants off. He's like, okay, take them off. And for some reason, I'm like, you know, I have to feel between my legs. He's like, okay, go ahead, feel. And I felt, and I'm like, oh my God, I feel something. I'm like, I think it's the head. Mm. And she, she's like, let me take a look. She's like, no, it's not his head, but it is his bag is protruding. So my husband in the meantime was taking a shower to get us in the car for us to drive across town. 
So she goes out to the door and she's like, listen, we don't have time for all of this. She's having a baby right here. So he's like, no, we're not having a baby right here because he's like, you guys, I know you guys can deliver the baby, but when the baby is here, I don't feel comfortable that we can take care of him. Mm -hmm. So he calls 911. Next thing I know, I have a room full of men in in my room. So I have Mm -hmm. the paramedics as well as the firefighters. And they're debating, what are we doing? Is she having it here? Should we like get our tools to have it here? Or are we taking her downtown? Wait, they have time to decide while you're- Yes, because, because yep. Because, and the thing is too, I promise it was like an outer body experience because I don't remember like the timing. Okay. And my husband was like trying to like engage with me. Like, what do you want to do? But I was mm-hmm. just like, <laughs> whatever you want to <laughs> <Whatever>. do. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I was prepared to have it on the floor in our bedroom. Because I like, when she said we don't have time, I went from being on all fours to like sitting on my back to like, all right, let's do it. Oh, you were, pers- <laughs> you were like ready. You were in position. Yes. Because my <laughs> back was killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband's like, nope, we're going downtown. Next thing I know, I'm downtown. The triage nurse goes to check me. And she- I remember her checking and she's like, oh, okay, you're about eight centimeters takes her hand out and I'm like, miss, I have to push. She's just like, okay. So I roll over and I push, baby comes out mm. in one, that one push. Baby comes out and I like get back on my back and I'm like, like breathe a sigh of relief cause I was in so much pain. Look at my husband, he's panicking and saying, come on baby, come on, come on boy. So now I, I, I step back into it, I look at the baby. The baby is pale as a ghost. Oh, he's wow. barely crying. His limbs are completely limp. The, nurse then cuts his umbilical cord and runs out the hall with him my husband follows long story short the neonatologist comes and speaks to us and says that he did not have oxygen while I was um, delivering Mm. so in the meantime he aspirated meconium he did not have any oxygen to his brain Mm -hmm. he just all the things that could have gone wrong went wrong so they put him in a medically induced coma and literally put him like cooled his body temperature to try to preserve some brain function. So the sobering part of that was when she was speaking to us, she's like, you know, this is all new-ish technology, especially to our hospital. So do you guys believe in God? And we're like, yes. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to need you to pray. So for a medical professional to tell mm-hmm. you to pray, like they're not relying on their science anymore, right. was a lot. I was just done. I shut down completely. So um, when you just said that, I was thinking to myself, who was telling you to pray? <laughs> the, the head of the team was telling me to pray. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. A lot, yes. And at this point, my baby was gone too. So I'm by myself. Like they were working mm. on him. He's not outside of my eyesight now. And I'm just like, okay, this is, yeah, it was a lot to process. Mm-hmm. So what they came to find out is that my placenta detached earlier. So I had a placental abruption. Okay. And I had a true umbilical cord knot. So like there was a, a full knot. It might have been two knots in his umbilical cord plus the tenth. The, placenta, excuse me, detached early. So Mm. we don't even know how long he was without oxygen. Long story short, baby is fine. He is a miracle. But while he was in the NICU, a lot of things happened. So he had liver failure. He had seizures. He needed blood transfusions, plasma transfusions. At one point, we thought that he wouldn't be able to hear because he was bleeding from one of his ears. Mm. So 
while I'm getting all this news from the nurses and the team, they'd call whenever an event happened. I'm just taking notes and just adding things to my to-do list of what I'm going to do when I get discharged. Like, okay, so I don't know sign language. So now I have to like find somebody to teach me sign language along with my son. And I have to figure out, oh, what books should I buy to like bring the news to my son, my oldest one, Mm -hmm. and how we're going to involve the whole family. And what do we do? I'm just like adding things on my to-do list as to what we're going to do when we're discharged. Thankfully, he's completely fine. He we have follow-up visits with his specialists. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I just, wow. <laughs> because, a miracle. That was, that was, yes. that was you all praying. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that story though, because it gives so much context to when you talked about burnout. And so now it makes so much more sense why you were burned out because you're saying all of the things that you were planning ahead for his discharge. So how long was he in the hospital after he he delivered? He was not in the hospital long. He was in there for eight days. The eight days were tough because it was around Christmas and Mm -hmm. I was going back and forth to drop off my breast milk for him to have. The eight days were fine. They were terrible because I would cry there and back and while I was with him. (laughs) But the worst part were the first three months because I was holding my breath because I was terrified that he would have a seizure while I'm like barely awake breastfeeding him or just caring for Mm -hmm. him all the night and I was by myself. And then I was just just really monitoring like, is he meeting all his milestones? Is he... Mm doing all things that quote normal baby does and all those things. So I was just stressed out and just trying to figure out how to balance now being a mom of two, mm-hmm. one of whom we're treating as if they are special needs. So I was just all over the place, just really spreading myself really thin. And so what's the age, the age gap between your boys? Four years. Okay. So he was independent, but not, he's still a toddler. So, but, but independent. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I had, <laughs> I'd kind of gone backwards, like, because <laughs> my first was he can go potty, he can ask you for, you know, mm-hmm. what he needs, he can eat independently, he can almost kind of help dress himself. And dang, I started at square right back to scratch with um, <laughs> the second one, you know, I didn't, I didn't consider the gap between them. Mm-hmm. So your son is a miracle, you, you bring him home, the fact that he was able to leave the hospital in eight days. That is huge, right? That attests to the power of God. <laughs> and yet they weren't expecting it either. And they discharged him without any seizure medications. I got some wow. just in case, but they were just like, by like day four or five, it was a new baby. Like he was like, I'm ready. Like mm. just completely new baby. And God is good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So in those three months, while you're holding your breath, you're realizing, was at what point did you realize that you were burned out? Was it then or was it after? I think around month four is when I was like, my nightly prayers were just to not wake up. And my doula would, she called to check up on me and she heard in my voice that something's not right. And because I had become really close to her during my pregnancy, she knew that I was seeing a therapist before. And she's like, have you seen your therapist since having the baby? And I was mm-hmm. like, no. She's like, I, I think it's a good idea to go and see her. So when I went and saw my therapist, she was like, okay, this is what burnout looks like. You know, you also have postpartum anxiety and postpartum mm-hmm. depression, but some of it could be alleviated by simply taking care of yourself. And so that's one of the things that I talked to. So before the podcast and some of the other things, I 
specialized in practice and working with moms who dealt with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And one of the things that I prescribe after their initial visit is rest getting sleep, trying to figure out if they have what kind of support system they have in place and someone who can help them to kind of take care of themselves, right? Because if you can, you know, not sleeping causes you to be delusional and have all of these these other symptoms of things. And so if you can work on your sleep and your eating and kind of getting some sun and getting out, that definitely reduces the level of depression, depressive symptoms that you have. So that was so, you know, kudos for your therapist for recognizing that and then saying, Hey, let's, let's work some of this out. So what did that look like working out, not being burned out? What did that look like? She asked me to commit to myself and to her that I would just use one hour a day Mm -hmm. where I would just do something solely for me. I couldn't I couldn't commit to seven days a week. So I'm like, can we start off with three days a week? She's like, all right, that's fine. So for three days a week, I decided to go to like a little boxing boutique mm-hmm. where I would just box for an hour that day. And she's like, and let's talk, let's check back in in a month and see how you feel. And okay. we checked back in in a month. And even before the month was, I think in two weeks, I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. So she's like, pick something, whatever it is. She's like, you can go on a walk, go I don't know, bike, meditate, something, but do something just for you. That doesn't involve anybody else. Mm -hmm. Do that, commit to doing it and then check back in. So I think the hour made it easier because it wasn't too much time. Right, Right. because you're still a mom. You're still trying to figure things out. But Mm -hmm. that one hour made it digestible, like attainable. Like I could, I can do this. Yes, yes. And, and I think you made a, a point earlier is asking around your, like, you know, asking your support system for support. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I really had to learn to do in therapy because I felt like I had to do it all. Mm. Like, why, why can't I do it all? I've watched my mom do it all. I watched my grandmother do it all. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, am I weak for not being able to do all these things? And, you know, compared to what they had Mm-hmm. I, I have a lot. And how dare I ask for help? And she really helped me work through that. Like, no, no, no. First of all, raising a child is not a two person thing. You right. need a village. village. Yes. You, it's so crucial. I, I hate that. Like the society that we live in, like American society is like, oh, the nuclear family, nuclear family. No, 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 no. Nuclear mm-hmm. family is great, but it is, you need more than that. Yes, it's, it's hard. And if you're mm-hmm. going to do it right and still have a connection with your partner, forget that a connection with yourself. You yes. need people. <laughs> yes. And so one of the things that I used to tell my clients, because I've heard that so much, my mom didn't have these problems or my mom, my grandmother didn't have these issues, but what your mom and your grandmother had a lot of times was community, yep. right? It hasn't been until like the last, I, I'd say maybe 15 to 20 years that people don't live where they grew up, don't live in the neighborhood where their mom and their grandmother lived or yep. their aunt where they could go. And, you know, it was, yep. you didn't even have to ask because they knew you had a baby. So they were there or they were taking care of the kids. So so it's this erroneous thinking that your mom was doing it by herself because she wasn't, she had help. She just didn't have to ask for help because her help was already there, like next that's to the her down the street. So that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up, like 
it was literally three houses that were all three family houses and it was just us. So mm-hmm. we would, as kids in summertime, just bounce from house to house to house. <laughs> Even during the week, like we'd all walk to school together or whatnot. Like, yeah. Yes. See, so it's, we just don't think about it at the time, right? And you become a mom and you're like, my mom didn't deal with this. Your mom had two people, two other yep. people helping her. Yep. And so I, that's really good that you pointed that out because that is another one of those things that moms talk about. So now, how long did it take you to kind of get into the groove of once you started doing that with your therapist, did it then become something that you continued and said, okay, well, I'm going to make this a part of my daily or my daily habits or my weekly habits? Was it thin or did it take a little bit more talking, coaxing? I think it took more coaxing. And if I'm really honest with you, I think my self-care practice, like waxes and wanes sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm really on it and sometimes I'm not and one thing that I'm struggling with myself is that either I I do it I'm like full-on I'm doing it I'm committed or I'm just completely disengaged Mm -hmm. (laughs) so this past year with the pandemic has been really really tough finding that one hour has been increasingly difficult because I is we're in the house and there's like mm-hmm. no sense of, for me, I'm like losing a sense of time and of like months, weeks, seasons, because yes. I don't have anything to like break things up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have the little drives to here, there and everywhere. I don't have like a vacation to look forward to right. or different like seasonal markers. So it's been mm-hmm. just really hard to like get a grasp of things. Plus just being in the house all the time with the kids. I think my boundaries like what boundaries like just, <laughs> you know sometimes like they'll hop on my zoom calls too and I'm just like okay here we are <laughs> it, it's it's hard it's I've had a hard time trying to find that balance and I used to be like a gym person mm-hmm. and even though the gyms have opened up again I still don't feel comfortable going to the gym because god forbid I pick something up there and I have my little ones my oldest one is asthmatic so I'm just like okay let me just stay home but in the meantime, I just haven't done anything. I haven't worked out the way I normally do. I just yes. sit and I eat, I put on weight and it is what it is. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to be graceful with myself to figure things out slowly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's good that you said grace. Cause in, so I have two boys too. And one of the things that I have had to stay consistent about though, is maintaining self-care because at one point I was like, I can't do this. Cause I'm, we decided to homeschool them. And so I'm working from home. I'm home. I was just like, I can't, I'm going to have to figure out a way to take some time back for myself because otherwise I'm going to go crazy. But I think it's important that we are talking about the difficulties that we've had in this year and even in 2021, Mm -hmm. engaging in self-care because it's been hard because like you said, there are no markers really, you know, if you're not traveling, if you're not vacationing, if you're not doing the typical things that you would normally do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, I found that for me this past year, my saving grace has been podcasting because Mm. I've gotten community again, just speaking to women like you, like who I would not have spoken to before has been just everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's been the only thing that's been keeping me just tethered, (laughs) keeping me together. (laughs) Um, Well, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. So what is one thing that you would want to share with moms that you wish you would have known before becoming a mom? 
that it absolutely takes a village and you are not weak. You are not inadequate. You are not whatever negative word you're going to put. You, you associate with asking for help. Like just ask for help. People really want to help you mm-hmm. and people care about you. They just, they just want to know how to help you. So just yes. to speak up. Awesome. So how can moms find you if they want to contact you and, and learn more about your burnout or self-care? How can they get in contact with you? So I have a podcast. It's called Be Well, Sis, and it's on every platform as well as I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm most active social on social media. So my Instagram handle is at Be Well, Sis underscore podcast. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story and your professional expertise. And so we're going to have to have you back because you you have so many different stories that you can share. But I thank <laughs> you for, for sharing. And then we will definitely include your information so moms can reach out to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Hi, moms. So in the podcast episode today, we talked about burnout. Let me define it for you. Burnout is being so overwhelmed with daily life that you experience mental collapse caused by stress and overwork. That sounds a lot like this whole 2020, 2021 year, right? This whole pandemic, because we've had to do all the things on top of all the other things that we always are doing. And so I want to encourage you to take some time and really think about the things that serve you or that have served you during this year that maybe haven't served you. I want you to think about those things that have served you, those things that have energized and refueled you, or maybe those things that you know will energize and refuel you. I want you to think about those things that replenish your spirit and bring you peace and really take some time to think about what those things are, what they look like, and how you can get to that place if you're not there. So, you know, you have choices. I want to remind you that you have choices. And if something isn't serving you, to really dig in and find out what will. I want to encourage you to ask for help and to utilize your support system. So, I'll probably do another episode where I'm just telling you the things that I have learned and the shifts and the pivots that I've had to make during this pandemic, during this 2020, 21 year for myself, for my kids, for my business, because there have been quite a few as we're coming to the close of the school year. I'm grateful for those pivots and shifts, but they were difficult going through them. And so I just want to, again, encourage you. To, to just take time and sit still and to remind you that you have choices. And if something isn't serving you, to take the time to figure out what that is. Now, I have two things that I would like for you to do. If you are a mom and you're feeling burned out or at the end of your rope, we have a Love Yourself Mom Challenge. You can find the link in the show notes or you can find it on the Mahogany Moms podcast. In addition to the Love Yourself Mom Challenge, I also have a listener survey that I'm asking listeners that are consistently listening to the podcast. Maybe you love this podcast. Well, I just want to make the podcast even better. And so I'm asking you to take the listener survey so I can figure out or know how I can better serve you and bring you topics that interest, other topics that may interest you or concern you. So the the listener survey is again, in the, the link is on is in the show notes and it's on the Mahogany Moms podcast website. 
thank you guys hope you've enjoyed this episode until next time have a good week that's it for today's episode thank you so much for listening to the mahogany moms podcast with me if you like the podcast please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review if you'd like to learn more about us go to mahoganymomspodcast.com until next time